The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special Investors Business Daily installment of Barron's Live. Alyssa Corum back here once again. And joining me today, we have Investors Business Daily Market Research Director Justin Nielsen for a great discussion about how to sidestep corrections, and then what you should do when you start seeing a new rally begin. There's a lot to unpack here, Justin. Uh, Hey to you. Let's give everyone just a brief rundown of what we'll be discussing today. Well, you know, basically, uh, you know, there's this whole idea about market timing that you just shouldn't ever do it. And we disagree with that. So there are elements of market timing that we do employ here at Investors Business Daily. And so we want to share some of those ideas with uh, the audience, uh, give you some details on exactly what it is we're looking for. And we're going to focus a little bit more on getting back in after you hopefully have sidestepped the correction Mm -hmm. and the way in which you do it. And just a spoiler alert. You want to take a measured approach. We do not like plunging. Yes. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, Justin. So let's kick things off and dig in a little bit more into that market timing aspect. We like looking at the technical action of the major indexes to be our guide, because if you want to generate outperformance, then you really need to stay in step with the market and be aware of those signs that conditions could be worsening before you really get in deep into a correction. Yeah, and it's it's really, it, it's more than just the market itself, because a lot of times your individual stocks will be giving you signals as well. Uh, a lot of times you'll see either stocks kind of getting a little bit ahead of themselves. We saw this in 2000, where there were a lot of what we called climax tops. The stocks were just going parabolic. They were going, they were going vertical, and that's just not something you can sustain. So we had the market giving us signals as well as our individual stocks. And a lot of times when you get that uh, combination, that can just really help you sidestep a lot of the correction because you're naturally getting sell signals from your stocks. You're seeing the market also potentially weaken. And before before too long, you find yourself in more and more cash. And that's that's actually a good thing in our opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if you're just holding for the for the long haul and not uh, sidestepping these corrections, you may be caught in a, a once leading stock that might yeah. never come back. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is what people have to understand, especially with some of these big high flyers that we're talking about, the big growth names, the ones that everyone is talking about, they, they either had and made a ton of money on or they wish they had. These stocks, when they top, the average comes down 72%. So if you have a stock that you're holding on to and you're down 72%, you just have to realize how the math starts really working against you. So when you're down 25% on a stock, you need 33% just to get back to even. The number gets worse. If you're down 50%, you need 100% to get back to even. If you're letting something get down to 72% off off, off your, your high, you need to get almost 300% just to get back to even. That's, that's you know, a really tough ask. And it should also be noted, some of these stocks never come back. 
Mm-hmm. It's the whole idea about creative destruction, right? Some of these stocks, you know, the, 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 the horse and buggy, look, it was replaced by the automotive industry. And we see this throughout the American stock market where some stocks just, they're great for a little while, but then they roll over and they're replaced by a whole new batch of names. And so rather than holding forever, we just think of stocks as something, hey, you're going to hold while it's working. And then when it stops working, you're going to you're going to get out and wait for your next opportunity because there's always new opportunities coming up in the market. Yes. And before we talk about how to spot some of those new opportunities in the market, I just briefly want to mention, because yeah, that's the correction part. And the Mm -hmm. last IBD Barron's Live episode, Chris and I talked all about volatile markets and how to hedge your portfolio. We talked a lot about sell rules, selling stocks. That's kind of the ultimate hedge and some other things that you can do for your portfolio. So yeah, this this assumes that you've been able to follow those sell rules and sidestep the correction. But okay, now what do we do? Everyone wants to pick the ultimate bottom, right? But I think you'd be very hard pressed to find someone with a good track record of doing so. But using history as a guide, there are ways that you can uh, spot a turn in the market pretty quickly as a new rally begins. But Justin, how do you go about doing that? Well, I think, first of all, you have to set your expectations properly. And just as you said, look, we don't think that we're going to be calling the bottom. But if we can get close, if we can get within a few days, that's usually good enough. Even if the market comes up 10% off the bottom, uh, there's a lot of room for it to move. And especially if you've sidestepped a good portion of the correction, then you're going to be in a very good place. Uh, So we always refer to it as kind of keeping your powder dry. Um, Not only do you kind of protect your capital, your physical capital, your money, your portfolio, but you also protect your mental capital. It can be very draining uh, when you're going through a correction and you keep on trying stocks and they're not working. So mm-hmm. there is that element too. So, okay, that's that's once you've done everything right, you know, and you have the expectation that, hey, I'm not going to get the bottom, but you have to start by looking for, in a downtrend, you want to start by looking for a rally day. Now, I say you start because that is not your signal. You can have very powerful days. Um, and, and a lot of times you see, you know, the media go crazy. Oh, my gosh, this was one of the biggest days that we've ever had. Um, I've seen gains on the NASDAQ composite of 14% in a single day. But what you have to notice about some of your top days, if you just take the top 15 gains in the NASDAQ composite per, right. on a percentage basis, I'm just going to throw out some dates for you and see if you recognize a pattern. 1987, October 1987, uh, 7% gain. May of uh, 2000, October of 2000, October of 2000, December of 2000, December of 2000. Then you have three in 2001, January and two in April. You've got a 2002, October of 2008, and then more recently, mm-hmm. uh, March of 2020. So hmm, what, what are those all time of those? Have, yeah, what do those <laughs> have in common? It was during some very destructive time periods. You know, the 1987 uh, crash, 2000.com bubble, the great financial crisis, and then, of course, the COVID crash. So, yes, you can have some very big days there, but it's mm-hmm. surrounded by very, very bad days. So, right. You want one to day that is in not context. Enough. One day is not enough. So, what we do is we want to see a confirmation of that strength. So that first day of a rally becomes our first day, day one of a rally attempt. And we don't do anything necessarily. We just wait and we watch. And by day four, 
what we're looking for is a confirmation of that rally's strength. So what do we look for? The follow-through day has two elements. Number one, we want to see a significant price increase. We want to see power on the day that confirms that the rally is for real. So we might look for like a 1%, one and a quarter, or even higher percentage gain for the for the index. Um, and, and this could happen on any of the indexes, the major mm -hmm. indexes, the NASDAQ composite, the S&P 500. We'll sometimes use the Dow Jones Industrial Average as well. Um, certainly use that a lot more in the past, but we mostly use the NASDAQ composite and S&P 500. So you've got the price component. The other component, volume. We want to see the volume on that exchange, whether we're looking at the NYSE exchange or the NASDAQ exchange, we want to see it higher than the day before. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be above average, just has to be higher than the day before. That gives us a sense that there's um, some real buying activity. And you know, a lot of times that's going to be the institutions, your big mutual funds that are involved. They often control that kind of volume. But as we've seen in the last couple of years, retail investors are having greater and greater power in that regard. But we do want to see that volume there. And just also keep in mind that one of the factors of this follow through day, you know, it's going to happen on day four or later. That's that's one of our of the rules. rally attempt yeah. of the rally mm -hmm. attempt and the rally attempt stays intact as long as you remain above your rally day. And we'll get to some examples in a little bit. Um, if you do close below or at, actually breach the low of your rally day, that rally has failed and you have to start your count all over again. So in a lot of ways, this is this is just a very simple uh, counting game, you know, uh, but it can be very powerful. Now, let me throw in another caveat. They don't all work, you know. Yeah. You will often see. I, I actually, there there really aren't any examples where you don't get this signal at at a bottom, you know. But the problem is, you will sometimes get this signal. It'll roll over and you'll mm -hmm. continue lower. So you have to be aware of that. That can happen um, very frequently. So that's why we do take a measured approach to our entry. We don't want to get completely in. We want to say, okay, let's let's put a little bit of money to work. And we let the market give us feedback. How does the market give us feedback? You're making money. Yeah. Just that simple. And then exactly right. if you're making money, you can, you know, put a little bit more money to work. And that's how you get fully invested. But you don't start, you know, from zero to 100. Right. And for those watching the live video version of this, I pulled up a, a chart of the current NASDAQ and I was following along a little bit, pointing out uh, that day one of the rally and the follow through day. There's a lot to unpack here just with how this current rally attempt is unfolding. But we do want to take a look at uh, some historical examples of how to get back into the market, Justin. Yeah, so let's go ahead and start. And uh, I'm going to start with early in my own career. Um, I started working at Investors Business Daily in 1997. I was uh, actually taking phone calls, you know, vacation requests, you know, uh, paper, you know, delivery things, customer service, uh, started learning about the stock market. And in 1998, you know, about a year into my my venture uh, into into investing, um, I was looking at uh, this this market that you know was coming down. And look, there was there was some negative stuff happening. You know, we had long term capital management. For those of you that remember when that that fund blew up, and Alan Greenspan, who was the Fed chair at the time, was like, you know, hey, we're going to have to bail this out. It's it's one of those too big to fail things. And so, on on in this situation. And now, granted, I didn't have a lot of money I was dealing with, a couple thousand dollars. And this was back when you had to call up your broker, you know, pay $35 a trade and, you know, and then they'd call you back later and say, yeah, you, you got filled. Um, so 
we had we had a bottom in September. Uh, you know, it was coming down, coming down, and then right there at 1475, 49, uh, we had our first day of the rally. On September 8th, we had a follow-through day. I had read the books, I had read the paper, I understood what a follow-through day was. I just put everything to work. Let's go uh, on September 8th, and that that day did work for a little while, but then it very quickly rolled over. I learned that I didn't have any sell rules. This was a very important lesson for me have your exit strategy ahead of time. I didn't have one at the time. And it rolled over. And then once we undercut that 1475.49, that rally attempt failed. Now, there were a lot of signs before that, that things weren't going well. And you would have seen that in your individual stocks. The problem, here was my big mistake. We had another rally attempt. You see it come down to 1357.09. Um, you could even consider that, that, you know, that day that was down uh, a potential rally because it did close well in the upper part of its range. So right. that's kind of what we call a pink rally. So you can consider that maybe day one. Well, as we keep on counting, you go along, you go along, and then on October 14th, 98, we got a follow through day. And this one was very powerful. And it really, it really worked. You can see how well the NASDAQ composite um, went up. Unfortunately for me, I'm like, oh, you fooled me before in September. I'm yeah, not gonna, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna fall <laughs> for that trick again. And because I was so smart, I, you know, it wasn't until the market got, you know, well, uh, well into like almost the 2000 range that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really for real. I better, I better start buying things. Um, so I was, I was late to the party. Now, Bill, on the other hand, Bill O'Neill, the founder and uh, chairman of Investors Business Daily, who I had the pleasure of working with uh, for about 15 years as his assistant. What he did during this time, he bought one of the stocks that was moving out on that day, a stock by the name of Charles Schwab ticker symbol SCHW. I think it was SCH at the time. They actually mm. had a ticker symbol change. Now, it's very hard to see on this because um, this is an arithmetic chart. And so when you have a big gain, <laughs> the arithmetic chart makes everything before that look very compressed. But thank you, Allie, for switching to the weekly chart here. And you can see, hey, this was a cup with handle. And this broke out on the exact day of the follow-through day. And it went up 400% in just six months. Now, Hey, look, this was the, the late 90s. It was a crazy time. And Schwab had something very exciting that they were doing. Rather than calling your broker up, how great would it be if you could just trade online? Schwab was, you know, if, if you look at what a lot of the brokers looked like at that time, Schwab looked so different. It actually looked more like America Online, an, an internet company, because of its internet exposure that it was, you know, moving its trading onto an online platform. So this was a great example of, uh, uh, one of Bill's biggest winners that he had, uh, a very great gain in a short period of time, but I missed, I missed out. You know, I, I did get into America Online, but I was late. So uh, maybe I had an 80% gain, which is not bad, but it's not a 400% gain. Mm -hmm. And it certainly would have been a lot easier to handle if you had that early entry and were just able to let this run. Right. Yeah. So the lesson here is, Okay, spot the follow through day. They may not all work, but that's why you don't go all in, have those sell rules. And then if you do see another follow through day, don't miss it. You need to be dipping your toe in the water because it could lead to a huge move in some really great stocks and the overall market. Absolutely. And I just want to share again, working with Bill for as long as I did, one of the things that I learned very quickly was how, how he was able to really change his mind. Uh, as as new data came in, 
Um, and it, it would almost be like he, he had a short-term memory. Like he would say something and be very definitive about his uh, interpretation of what the market was doing at that time. But if the market changed, he changed with it. He never planted his flag in the sand and said, well, this was the opinion that I told people. And just as an example, one of the first times that I you know, started working for him, I'm driving him to the airport in my little Ford Festiva, which is a three-cylinder tiny car. And um, he's talking to me about how bearish he is on the market. This was in 1999 so that I started working for him. And he, he was saying how bearish he was on the market. Um, this was this was in September, and he, he thought we had come up so much. I actually, go ahead and show a weekly chart real quick just mm-hmm. to give a sense of how how powerful this rally was over years. Um, and he said, you know what? I think, I think we need a more serious correction here. I think we need, we need, um, we need some time. And, and I just see a lot of stocks looking like they've, they've topped. So that's what he was saying in September. And he said, he, he sent out letters to 500 clients saying how bearish he was. Well, now fast forward and we have a follow through day and he's, he's buying and those stocks are working. And he keeps on buying and that ends up being a very powerful rally you know the the rally into march of 2000 when the nasdaq topped around 50, you know 5132 on march 10th if you missed that rally if he had planted his flag in the sand and said well i told all these clients i'm bearish i better stick with it he would have missed that entire thing so it's very important to uh, you know change your mind as the signals right. come as new evidence comes yeah, I think that's a great reminder for today because there are so many external factors that might make you feel like this or that is going to happen with the market. But if you just try to kind of filter out the noise, of course, you need to be aware of you know what's going on in the in the economy, in the market, different industry groups, themes that are unfolding, but let those charts be your guide because if you just stayed with you know what your gut was telling you mm-hmm. or the opinions of others like you said you may miss some really incredible moves in the market that is such a good point uh Allie. and i can't tell you how many times if i went with my gut or if i went with my interpretation of the economy what i would have missed um and just as another example uh let's fast forward a little bit and and think about after that dot-com bubble you know in 2003 you know what we, we had this follow-through day in March of 2003, and uh, I think it was March 17th, if I remember correctly. And I, I remember this well, because if you looked at the environment at the time, keep in mind, we had just come, the NASDAQ composite had corrected, the index had corrected 79% from its top in March of 2000 to its bottom in October of 2002. It just a devastating. And a lot of these companies that, you know, people were talking about the new economy and how everything is different this time, they didn't exist anymore. You know, I mean, you saw Cisco go from $82 down to like $1. Uh, it was, you know, just real devastation around the board. Not only that, but when the follow through day happened in March of 2003, you also had a situation where we were about to go to war. You know, we had this this madman, Saddam Hussein, with possible weapons of mass destruction, uh, who was going to blow up all the oil fields and, you know, just a lot of stuff that was really negative about the the outlook. But there we were in March of 2003, and we had a follow through day. So if we look at the daily chart here, um, one of the things that, you know, Bill was pointing out at the time was we had these three waves down. So if you look in December, there was this wave down to 1327.19, then another wave down, and then one final wave down, and that was that was the end of it. And there was actually, if you look at some of the volume 
uh, characteristics here. You did have some volume come in on the upside. Uh, so even though we were making new lows, there were still some positive stuff happening. And so then when this March, uh, March 2003 follow through day happened um, on the 17th, you also had a lot of stock setting up. You can't pull up the chart now, but one of them was Yahoo, uh, yahoo.com, which was a, a giant at that time in terms of search. Um, you had, um, you know, some of the defense stocks were actually doing very well at this time. Um, IGT was one that I played, International Game Technology. Um, that's one that you can actually pull up. And it's a good example of a stock. It didn't come, come out right away. It uh, actually broke out on the day of the follow-through day, um, the 17th, and then it had one more pullback. That was enough to shake me out, by the way. I, I, I didn't hold on to it. And then it really moved and I, I was out of it by that time. So, um, but this was a, just an example. Netflix, um, Netflix was coming out at that time. You know, they, they were still kind of new to the game, but you had a lot of these stocks that even though there was such destruction in a lot of names, you had these stocks that were setting up and looking like they could move. So, um, oh, eBay was another one. That one had been already moving since October of 2002. It kind of paused a little bit in February, but was coming out of um, these bases. So this was another strong one. This was actually my biggest winner that year. Um, and it, it it was already looking good, even though the market had looked so poor for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in addition to looking for those follow through days, looking for the chart setups is something that not only can tell you maybe about the health of the market, but where you need to be looking to put that money to work when you do see conditions improve instead of just, oh, I like XYZ stock. This is a really great company. Actually analyzing the chart, looking for those proper setups can help increase your odds of success. Yeah, absolutely. And just as a kind of uh, a, a point to make there, one of the things we often look at is this relative strength line. This is the blue line on our MarketSmith charts, which compares that particular stock to the S&P 500. It's just a simple ratio of performance. There's nothing proprietary about it. Um, but what it does show you is when a stock is outperforming the S&P 500. And these are the stocks that we like to look for in these market downturns. What's holding up a little bit better? What's kind of resisting the downtrend of the market indexes? And just an example, after the great financial crisis in 2008, in 2009, there were a lot of stocks that were coming up and, you know, a lot of stocks coming off the bottom. I mean, you have Bank of America trading like a dollar, Ford like at a dollar. Citigroup had a reverse split just to keep listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, so amidst all this, you had a follow through day in March of 09. And this one was tough because a lot of the movement was coming from these very beaten down stocks that were coming off the bottom. And so, yeah, if you have a you know $3 stock go up to 12, I mean, that's, that's a huge move. Ford, you know, coming up from one to like five, that's a huge move. But you also had a few stocks like Apple and uh, booking.com. It was called Priceline at that time. And one thing to notice here, let's just do a quick comparison. You see how the index line that you have, S&P 500, mm -hmm. you see how the S&P 500 made this new low you know, it was undercutting the previous lows. But a lot of these stocks, if you look at Apple, if you look at Booking, they, they made these lows. And then when the market came down, they actually held above their lows. And you see that reflected in the relative strength line as well. It's hard to see the relative strength line in this case, because it's kind of getting uh, trampled on by the price. But this is, this is what you could see in a lot of these stocks in 2009, these leaders that 
the relative strength was very powerful. And even though there had been a lot of destruction, the ones with the best relative strength lines were some of the ones that led that market, whether it was Apple, uh, Chipotle Mexican Grill, CMG, uh, Booking.com, uh, BKNG. Uh, those, those were some of your leaders of that cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so seeing that relative strength line at a new high before the stock is hitting a price high is an especially bullish sign. So I uh, could definitely see that with some of these leaders as well, Justin. So uh, a lot of great examples here. What about something a little bit more recent? Let's fast forward to uh, the end of 2018, shall we? Yeah. And, and you know, a point that I just wanted to make again, I want to make sure people understand, look, not all follow through days work. So this will be a good example. And you know, keep in mind, we had a China trade war potentially happening. We had, um, we had the Fed start, starting to warn about, hey, quantitative easing. We may have to get back to a, a rate tightening um, environment. And as we kind of had this move down, you can see that we had a few follow through days that didn't end up working. First of all, on November 7th, we had that rally attempt. We had the follow through day on November 7th. And it just quickly rolled over, you know, couldn't couldn't sustain it. And then you had the undercut and then it came right back. You had another follow through day on the 20, 27th and that rolled over and came right back. Now, one thing that we did have in this case that just to, just to mention, and we won't go into it too much right now, but we can send a send an article on it that I wrote mm -hmm. about vertical violations. We did have this price destruction, just very massive drawdowns uh, through moving average lines. And a lot of times that's a more serious thing that requires some recovery time. So when you see that, sometimes you're, you're going to have to be a little suspicious of your first couple follow through days, uh, especially if they happen a little bit too quickly. Sometimes you need a few months uh, to kind of let those bases form, let those bases reset to a certain degree. Uh, you, you don't just break your ankle and then hop up the next day and say, I'm ready to run again. Put me in, coach. Right. Uh, you, you, you have to take some time and, and sit on the bench and uh, do your physical therapy. So that's what the market has to do sometimes here, too, where it just has to take a break. Um, and look, you know, the third time was the charm in this case. Uh, on on one fifteen January 15th, 2019, uh, that was the follow-through day that worked. And actually, I think one of the indexes might have had a follow-through day earlier. Um, and you had stocks like Shopify that were setting up at that time, looking ready to go. And, you know, that was kind of an indicator that, that, look, not only do you have the market telling you, but you also have some individual stocks that are setting up at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So the vertical violation, we'll put that link in the in the Q&A if we are able to do that. Uh, so another great example of the first follow through day may not always work. We have uh, another example that we want to get to, and that's with the coronavirus crash, Justin, and uh, the 2020 action. Yeah, here's another example that look, if you had given me a newspaper that was, you know, from three months in the future, you know, if you had given that to me in April and I would, you know, be able to see how devastating a lot of this stuff was, I, I, I think I would have just not believed this follow through day, you know, but I had rules, you know, and, and the rules told me that, look, if you have a follow through day, uh, try and find something to buy. And so after this really devastating COVID crash that we had, and we came down very hard, very quickly, we bounced also just as quickly. And on April 2nd, uh, of 2020, we had the S&P 500 follow through, and then the NASDAQ had its follow through day on April 6th. And 
in this case, you would think that there might have been a lot of stocks that were just, hey, they still needed more time and everything. But what really was surprising to us was that you had a number of stocks that were setting up. Microsoft looked like it was you know, forming a base at that time and ready to go mm -hmm. shortly after that follow-through day. Um, NVIDIA also, you know, it had come down, but it was, it was back, they were back above their 50-day moving average line. So they were just showing a lot more strength. NVIDIA was a little bit more of a, a traditional, our cup with handle pattern that you can see um, in the green line kind of done by our pattern recognition. So that looked ready, Adobe. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of merchandise out there. Um, you have to be a little bit more suspicious when you get a follow-through day and there's just nothing to buy. It's all right. stocks coming off the bottom. Uh, that's a little bit more what we've been dealing with lately. Exactly, which <laughs> but, leads us yeah. to uh, today. <laughs> yeah, so let's go ahead and pull up today and we can kind of just um, analyze where where are we right now. So we did have um, a, a really rough start to the year. I think, you know, a lot of people were looking at this as one of the worst starts to the year that we've ever had. Um, and look, there were these signals that we were having before. I mean, if you look at a lot of the stocks, the formal, former leaders like Peloton and Zoom and Square, now it's called Block, um, you know, a lot of these had been in these major, major downtrends for a while. Even, you know, Kathy Wood's fund, the uh, ARK K, uh, the ARK fund. I mean, those had been in a major bear market for a long time. A lot of those more speculative names, those growth, big winners, um, phenomenal in 2020, not so great in 2021, really starting in February. So you already had a lot of these charts showing destructive action. And then the market indexes masked a good deal of that because you had your big heavyweights, the, the largest companies out there. Remember, these indexes are market weighted, the NASDAQ composite and the S&P 500. And so a lot of the strength that these stocks were showing masked the weakness of the majority of stocks. We had, if you just pull up GMIAB, um, you can real quickly see how the advanced decline line on the NASDAQ composite was really, again, in a, in a very solid downtrend for months and months um, before the indexes finally showed it. So, okay, we have, we have the indexes in a downtrend. So what are we look at, looking at recently? Well, as you pointed out at the beginning, we had this great, you know, great reversal. Mm -hmm. you know, so that becomes day one of our rally. And then we keep on counting. We keep on counting. And so we finally have our follow-through day because we never undercut the lows of that rally. So that rally is intact. But then we have a pretty decent rally, and then we start falling. Now, the problem here was uh, there really was kind of a lack of merchandise to buy. You did have some in the cyclical areas. I mean, we've been talking a lot about shippers and mm -hmm. a lot of the oil and gas uh, companies. I mean, energy you know, that it, that's kind of like what correction, you know, uh, it had a phenomenal start to the year, um, January 3rd and beyond. It's just, you know, straight up for a lot of these stocks, um, you know, whether it's XLE or, you know, some of the individual stocks, um, you know, ExxonMobil and Chevron, of course, are two big ones there. But you, you've got just a lot of the group um, participating in, in this in this move here. Um, again, a lot of cyclical names uh, that have been doing doing well. So those were acting well, but a lot of our growth type names have been uh, still underwater, still looking um, looking a little bit rough. And those big cap names like mm -hmm. Alphabet, the parent of Google, um, Microsoft, uh, you know, they've they haven't been showing the the strongest action lately. So uh, that's just something to consider about the current market that there is still a paucity of merchandise out there. Um, our rally is still intact. 
And what we what we saw is what we call some subsequent follow through days. That kind of adds to the potential uh, rally working. But we're also seeing some distribution days in here. That's where you get selling with volume increasing, like what we saw yesterday. So there, there's reasons to be cautious right now. It hasn't been an easy environment. And look, if you have just been putting out a few feelers, a few probe buys, again, because mm -hmm. we don't plunge, then you're probably not getting too hurt. And that's really the name of the game. When you have such a volatile market, as you and Chris talked about, mm -hmm. you want to just make sure you're not making big bets because that's a easy way to get hurt. It can be, oh, the rally is happening. I, I got to make sure I don't miss it. And then it rolls over and then you you end up selling at the lows because it's like, oh, this didn't work and now I have to get out. But then it starts going again and you can just quickly get chopped up. You might not be losing too much, but you got to almost die this death of a thousand cuts. And not only that, but that your mental capital, you just get frustrated. And so when the follow through day that works finally does happen or the stocks start moving, then you're so exhausted from all the mistakes that you've made and all the uh, you know small losses that you've taken. Sometimes mm -hmm. you can't take advantage of it. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Justin. And we do want to get to a couple of questions here soon. Yeah, let's do um, it. But uh, one more thing about position size, and maybe this is a, a question that we have out there. Actually, I know there is a question out there, at least mm -hmm. from one person asking us. Okay, so if we do need to just dip our toe in the water when we see a follow through day, that new rally attempt, and and signal a further signal with that follow through day. How should I be sizing positions? How much should I be invested? And yeah. how do I continue to ramp up that exposure when I do see um, continued signs of strength? Mm -hmm. Well, now a lot of this is going to depend on your risk, risk tolerance. You know, so it is going to be a little individual for for everyone. But let me just share with you what I learned from Bill O'Neill, because I think he's a good person to follow. He had a lot of success. So uh, what he would do a lot of times is he would say, look, Here's my portfolio size. Let's say it was a million. It was more than that. But let's just say for sake of argument, it was a million. And he wanted to have roughly eight stocks because he did believe in having a concentrated portfolio. So eight to 10 stocks. So that might mean each position size is roughly 10% to 12.5%. But he wouldn't start with a full position size. He would start with maybe a half position. So he's got about a 5 6% you know, start in the stock. And then again, if it works, he starts buying more. If it's and and by working, it could just be up two, two and a half percent. He would do a follow-up buy, and then he would start, you know, making uh, some ads, you know, so that eventually he would get to a full position. And he would only start with a few stocks. And then if the market was doing well, if he was making money, because he said, "Look, the market gives you a report card, you know, and if you're making money, you know, that means you're doing well. If you're not making money, you're not getting good grades. It's just as simple as that. So as long as he was making money, he would maybe buy another half position in a stock and then maybe another. And eventually that's how we would get to uh, fully invested. Um, it would, you know, something that would be happening maybe over weeks. Um, I will say that a lot of times on the sell side, he was much quicker. A lot of times I could see him sell uh, and get get out of the market within days uh, from being fully invested. But he was always a little bit slower getting in and, you know, trying to identify who the leader was. And sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, oh, gosh, I'm not sure if it's NVIDIA or AMD. I'll buy both and let the market tell me. And how does the market tell you? Well, the one that's going up the fastest <laughs> or the one that maybe has the best earnings uh, record, uh, the, the biggest earnings growth. Uh, so there were a lot of those factors you would look at as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's also talk about uh, some key levels to watch in the current market right now. Uh, 
for further signs of improvement or what could, you know, quote unquote, kill this this rally attempt or be some negative signs that we should be looking out for? Well, you have a few moving averages on your chart. So let's just kind of quickly identify those for everyone. The red line is your 50-day line. Your black line is a 200-day moving average line. So that's a little bit longer term. And then we have our shorter moving average lines. The green line is a 21 exponential. Um, the other ones are simple moving averages. So the 21 is the green line. Um, and then we have the shorter term 10-day line, which is that pink line. So right now, it looks like the NASDAQ composite is having a little bit of trouble getting back above that 21-day exponential moving average line. So I'd like to see it get above that and stay above it. Um, the next stop will kind of be that 200-day line, which you can see now that the 50-day line is kind of coming down to meet it. So they're pretty quickly going to be converging. And so your next thing is, first, can you get above that 21-day line and stay above it? Next, can you get above that 200-day and 50-day line and stay above it? And then eventually we're going to want to see that 50-day moving average line, which is now in a downtrend. We're going to want to see that roll back up and start getting back in an uptrend like what we saw before. Um, you know, we had a, a one of our head, head strategy uh, gurus, Mike Webster, who I worked with for a long time. Um, you know, he did a lot of research on the 21-day moving average line. He actually pulled out some old research that Bill had done on the 21-day moving <laughs> average line um, at one point. And uh, we, we really do like to see that that index get, the indexes get above that 21-day line. It just, things tend to work out a little bit better. But we do have a very volatile, um, you know, you're seeing moves of 1%, 2% a day. Um, and it goes in one direction one day, the other direction the next day, like what we just saw this week. Um, but in terms of areas, I'd like to see us hold above 14,000 for a little bit. If we don't, then we're probably looking at um, potentially testing some of those early areas uh, around 13,000, uh, you know, at the, at the lows. Um, and if we if we roll over there, then, you know, we, we're, we're probably going to be needing to back away uh, from even the small positions that we might have. But you see that we, in this latest downturn, we undercut all of the action really going back until May of last year. So um, it was a pretty good uh, shakeout that we had. Um, so, you know, that doesn't mean that we go straight up from here. Again, what would actually be constructive is if we just kind of go sideways for a little while, that's going to give a lot of these individual stocks a chance to kind of base out and um, let that broken ankle heal a little bit more and uh, potentially, you know, get us further. Now, of course, we have uh, what is the Fed going to do? You know, what's going to happen in Russia, Ukraine? Um, there, there's always there's always going to be these things to worry about. But usually what we do is by focusing on the technical action, we'll get a good mm -hmm. gauge of um, the market being a forward thinking mechanism. Uh, right. What what was the likelihood to happen here? OK, uh, as we look to wrapping up a couple of lightning mode answers uh okay from Justin. <laughs> let's do this okay uh so we talked about going with a smaller position size what about tighter stops mike is asking um you have to be careful i i, I do like the idea of having tighter stops but um especially in a more volatile market that just means that you're probably going to get stopped out more frequently. And uh, again, that that kind of speaks to that mental capital that you have to protect. So you have to be careful. Um, if you make your stops too tight, you know, you're just going to get stopped out more. And uh, yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing. But uh, if you're if you're doing too much activity and over trading, that can really hurt you in the long run. 
and something that can help with that is identifying those proper entries. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Don't buy extended. That's <laughs> yeah. my. If, if you if you want to survive, uh, not taking a lot of losses, um, buy right. That solves half of your selling problems. Totally does. Okay, so uh, you talked about there not being a lot of merchandise out there right now. That's that's looking great, especially in the traditional growth areas. Yes, energy has done well. We've seen some other cyclical names uh, be great performers so far in 2022. But Ronald is asking, what about getting back into the market with ETFs? What are some rules to use for that? Uh, you know what? I really like that idea. Um, I personally, sometimes when I'm not seeing merchandise, but I do see the indexes showing strength, uh, sometimes I, I will just start with an ETF position in one of the indexes. Um, I tend to be a little bit more aggressive sometimes, so I'll even use leveraged ETFs. I don't recommend that for everyone. They are short-term trading instruments. You have to kind of understand things about Contango and stuff like that um, on, on how they work with that leverage. But um, you know, you could go with the QQQ for the NASDAQ 100. A lot of times I'll use TQQQ, which is a 3X on the on the NASDAQ 100. Or if the S&P 500 is looking a little bit stronger, you could go with SPY, the spiders. Um, that is, you know, tracking the S&P 500. Or the UPRO is what I often use, which is a 3X on, on the spiders. Mm -hmm. And uh, Naresh is saying, well, you know, the historical examples that we looked at, hindsight is 2020. What are some of the things that we can uh, look to for the current environment now uh, that might help us identify those great opportunities? Like at the start of the year, we identified with XLE that move in the energy sector. What might be a way to find those next opportunities? Well, first of all, you study history. And, and that's why I, I wanted to show a lot of these examples because I, I, you, you have to be very careful because yes, hindsight is 2020. But what I was showing you were actually the market calls we were making at the time. You know, we were we were talking about those follow through days at the time. And look, sometimes I missed what the <laughs> what was being said in the paper. I didn't believe it. You know, um, I shared that too. So uh, again, if you look at a lot of historical examples. That just helps you recognize these things because there's a lot that does repeat, you know, or as Mark Twain said, you know, maybe it doesn't repeat exactly, but it rhymes. Uh, so if you if you get a sense of how the market has acted in the past, a lot of times, even even the stocks themselves, the, the patterns are very similar because human psychology uh, doesn't change that much. You know, our technology does, but the psychology doesn't. And if you can recognize a lot of these patterns, it, it'll help you in the future. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree with you more, Justin. All right, a couple quick, one more, I guess, because we need to wrap up. Uh, Michael is asking, what about a selling more quickly into strength? You know, traditionally, when we look at a, a breakup from a buy zone, we want to take profits at 20%. But one of the things that 2021 taught us with all of the different group to group, you know, sector rotations that we saw, taking your profits a little bit more quickly was something that was a favorable strategy. Yeah, um, I, I, I like that idea a lot. In fact, Bill, one time he was asking about how I was doing in my portfolio. I shared with him how I was round tripping a lot of things. And he said, well, why are you why are you waiting to take your profits? I'm like, I'm trying to get 20 percent. He's like, this market isn't giving you 20 percent. Take them earlier. And um, that's what he was doing. You know, he was taking his profits at 10 percent. Um, Mark Minervini has shared with us that uh, all of 2021, he was taking his profits a lot earlier. And when do you kind of switch? Well, mm -hmm. when you start feeling like, oh man, I took my profits too early on a lot of stocks, then you start switching and saying, look, I'm going to, I'm going to let them run a little bit more, but I don't think we're quite in that environment yet. So I've been trying to take my profits on the early side as well. 
All right. Thank you, Justin. I know there's so much more that we could talk about and we really appreciate everyone's thoughtful questions. We really do wish we could answer them all. But if you want to connect with Justin and I, go follow us on Twitter. I'm at Alyssa Corum. Justin is at IBD underscore J Nielsen. You can find us on social media. If there's a, a link or anything that we can help you find, we'd definitely be happy to do so. Thank you all so much for this special edition of Barron's Live. And please join us again next Monday at noon because Barron's Senior Managing Editor, Lauren Rublin, and Deputy Editor Ben Levinson will discuss the outlook for financial markets, industry sectors, and individual stocks. So thank you so much all for watching and we hope you have a, a great day, a great weekend, and we hope you enjoy the Super Bowl over the weekend. And uh, it's a, it a fun one, Justin. So thanks yeah. so much. Go Rams. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Bye everyone. The energy transition is a long and winding road and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.